Possession crucial from this. How much longer will the referee allow? Dublin lead by a point. And there's the whistle. It's over. It's over. We earned it by winning the last two matches on the road, and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in Hurland, I love players that will never give in. He hits it. He hits it. It's over the bar. Hello, welcome to the RTGA podcast. Hope everybody's well on this Monday. Uh, I'm joined, as I was a couple of weeks ago, by two columns from me, Colm O'Rourke and Colm Keys, and Rory O'Neill as always. How are we doing, lads? Very good, Mikey. Very good. Good stuff. Sorry, Colm. Um, Jackie Tyrrell will be along later to talk about hurling, for those of you who uh, want to listen to that. Uh, but we'll start with the big one, which of course was this morning's Chalchon Cup draw, which took place on Morning Ireland, um, which is where all good GA draws take place Monday morning. 400,000 people trapped in their cars. They're going to know what's going on. Um, it is, as predicted, let's be honest, it's a north-south draw. We kind of predicted there'd be a few meh fixtures. Uh, there's quite a lot of them. The preliminary round in the south is Wexford v. Offaly, and then it's Wicklow v. Waterford. And whoever wins those two matches play each other in the first round. So Wexford get to play Offaly, who they played already in the championship. And if they themselves and Wicklow win, they get to play each other in their um, customary fortnightly fixture. Uh, Carlo Tipperary... Leash West Mead are the other first round games. New York get a bye into the quarterfinals of the southern section. And in the north section, it's Longford v Fermanagh, Leitrim v Antrim, Sligo v London, and Cavan v Down. Uh, Colm O'Rourke, I was looking at these this morning and we always try to pull out a fixture to kind of to hook it on, you know, and say yeah. this is the this is the the match of the first round of the Tajan Cup. And I have to say we struggled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose the, the, the two counties that probably feel they shouldn't be in it would be Cavan and Down, and I suppose maybe that's the, the best game. And uh, I'd say Cavan are favourites to win it out, and probably justifiably so. I I often wonder with some of these counties, uh, you know, the, the likes of, say, Tipperary and Cavan, who would feel maybe that if they got to the provincial final, they would avoid playing in the Talchon Cup and be in the championship proper which they would be better off in. Same would apply there to Tipperary. And uh, if the Talchon Cup was bigged up to be something important, I think to be better off in the Talchon Cup than going and winning that. But the big problem with the Talchon Cup, again, is there has been no promotion of it, no launch of it, no new sponsor, no idea is there going to be all-stars for the winner, is there going to be trips away for the finalists, that sort of stuff. So... It's starting off in limbo, and the concern I would have is there's no games going to be particularly inspiring, but will there be wholesale uh, exodus of players from these counties uh, to the United States over the next few weeks? Yeah, that that is the fear. Um, Conkeys, the, the launch is happening today, but... <sighs> I suppose they needed the counties in it, but the launch take like as Colin Rooks says, there there wasn't, you know, there was very little fanfare or hoo-ha about this. And we've been talking about it on the podcast for weeks, which I suppose does count as promotion of type, but it is it it's a bit cart before the horse, isn't it? I suppose in one respect it uh in one respect it was difficult to have a launch when you didn't know uh exactly who was in it. The last two teams were only decided over the weekend with, with Tipperary and Westmead and there's representatives from playing, playing representatives, players from from uh, all the counties uh, convening in Croke Park today for the official launch and obviously the preliminary rounds are uh, are this weekend. It probably didn't help that Wexford and Offaly, a repeat fixture was the first out of the draw this morning but that's a consequence of the geographical divide that is there in this competition and uh, 
some people reacted on hearing that last week with with dismay as if the the goalposts had been changed but that was in the small print from the from the outset that there would be a geographical divide it's obviously based on trying to trying to initiate local rivalries it's to obviously cut down on costs and travel for supporters and indeed for teams too um but it probably makes it that little bit uh, less attractive that you have some of the renewal of provincial provincial games it just feels like Certainly the southern section has a look of a Leinster round robin about it. Uh, I've said before, I think it won't really take off until it gets down to the semifinals and you have that uh, exclusive Sunday afternoon billing. Obviously, there'll be television and it will be the only show in town. However, that draws in people remains to be seen. And obviously, the final is a precursor for one of the uh, for the first All-Ireland semifinal in early July. Probably would have helped if it was on the same card as the... Uh, as the All-Ireland final itself, but obviously they wanted to uh, release players back to their clubs as quickly as possible, but I feel it would have benefited. And yes, Colin makes the point about the All-Stars. It's not known if there is, I haven't heard it anyway, uh, whether there is going to be separate uh, dedicated All-Stars for the, for the Tajin Cup uh, participants. So that, that side of it, I don't know. I'm pretty sure it'll be uh, revealed or announced today or certainly clarified as to whether that's the case. Um, but by its very nature, it will be very, very hard to float uh, a secondary competition like this that is essentially with, with, with a lot of the weaker teams in the same way that Division 3 and 4 during the league is hard to float to. That's just the nature of this. Yeah. Uh, Rory, the one fixture stands out to me as being completely unstandoutable is Sligo v London. Un- unremarkable. That's a regular fixture in league and championship. And London are in the, in the north uh, I looked at this last week. By latitude, Longford, or sorry, London is more southerly than Offaly. So they've got this all wrong. Offaly should be in the north, London should be in the south. But um, it is a fixture list to kind of make you go meh a bit, isn't it, Roy? Yeah. Uh, Sl- or Sligo are at home, aren't they? They're first yeah. out, they were first out of the hat. So um, so you'll have the London lads travelling over. Yeah, look, I suppose. I mean, the just the nature of the whole competition. I think Mick Foley was on with us last week, Mikey, and he made a very salient point in that it's here now and we should look to try and make the best of it. Um, I think you probably won't really be able to appraise it properly until you get to the end. You'd like to think that there would be an element of all-star attached to it or certainly whatever they want to call that. That would add a certain impetus and make it, there is an incentive, I think, potentially to guarantee Sam Maguire status in terms of qualifiers for 2023. Is that right, Cullum? It could be That's right, uh, Rory, yeah. And obviously, obviously that element of it is something. If you're Cavan and you're in a Division 3 campaign next year, you know, there's no guarantee that, you know, you get the, the, there's no guarantee that they qualify in a difficult, they've obviously, I think, a better chance to get back into Sam Maguire status by winning the Thornton Cup. They may well win Division 3. But this is summertime, you know, there's less variables uh, in terms of weather and maybe the, you know, just just being caught out in the adverse weather conditions through February and March that might trip them up. Whereas, you know, they've come off the back of a, a very strong Ulster semi-final performance and they're most likely to push on. But to answer your question, yes, Touching Cup yeah. winners like, are into the Sam Maguire round yeah. robin next year. Yeah, and this is, it's in now. And look, I think this was obvious. This was a John, this was John Horne's grand plan, obviously, when he was president to try and get a secondary competition up on the goal. It was meant to be in, I think, maybe two years ago. And obviously, global events took over and we know what happened then. It's here now. It's a pity that it's starting off on 
a sort of a weak footing in terms of launch, etc. It is probably going to be a slow burner. I think Cullum is absolutely spot on. You're probably not going to really see any major public interest in it until possibly you get to the semi-final stages and the final then obviously being a precursor to the one of the semi-finals. But yeah, it's look, it is, it's a division three, division four competition. Like it's it is by its very nature going to be slightly uninspiring to a certain extent you just hope that the counties that are participating in it buy into it to a certain extent to, to as much as they possibly can take it seriously in some way and um and then you know you might get something that you can build on like there's going whenever you introduce something new it's like hawkeye it's like any new rules it's like round robins it's like the super eights when that was obviously uh, tested you are going to have teething is issues with everything that comes in in a new format and it, this may set alone to become quite a good competition in time. I just think it's, you know, probably starting, having gotten out of the wrong side of the bed, maybe uh, this yeah. year. And that's pity. Yeah, there is but, a value in winning a trophy. I mean, there are only so many trophy cups that uh, a team can, can win in any year. If you look back to Wicklow winning the, uh, the Tommy Murphy cup in 2007, and within a year, they had beaten Kildare. Obviously, Mick O'Dwyer was with them at the time. Within a year, they'd beaten Kildare in a Leinster first round. And a year later, they went and won three qualifier games against Fermanagh, Down, uh, and Cavan on successive Saturdays in Ockham. So there was a bit of a bounce in winning for a county like Wicklow. And maybe for some of the, the weaker counties in this, there won't be a whole lot to it if Cavan win because they've been Ulster champions uh, quite re uh, two yeah. years ago. But if... If a team, if some other team came came with a run, I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, but possibly if it was Wicklow or somebody got to a semi-final, that'd be a really, really big thing for them. It'd be bigger for some counties than for others. So if you if you could see some of those teams make their way through to semi-finals, uh, at least it would be a real help rather than, you know, Cavan, Westmead, possibly Tipperary or some teams like that that are we expect yeah. to come through. It'd be good to see somebody from a Division Four team to make it through to the semis at least and maybe into a final. That'd be a real benefit. Yeah, and if you're if you're a manager of any of these teams, surely you should be saying to the players in the team, "We're going to give this a lash and try and make it work." Because if you don't, this is the month of May. You're looking at uh, a break now. If you're trying to build a team from May till next February when the league starts again to have any type of serious competition. So if you could extend your season by six or eight weeks for this, it'd have to be valuable in building a team for the future, which a lot of these counties are trying to do. It's the first opportunity for them to play football at the right time of the year against similar opposition. It's a win-win for the counties, but the PR behind it has always been poor and the public image has been poor. So hopefully there's enough goodies on store today from Crow Park to pick this up into something important. Yeah. One one final point, Mikey. The Talchin Cup does not need a round robin. It just does not. It's a it's a, it's a fifteen game competition as as it stands. If this goes to a 34 or 35 game competition next year with dead rubbers and all sorts involving Leitrim against Carlo, two men and his dog at it, like you are setting it up to fail. It does not need a round robin. Just doesn't. <laughs> but there, there is the argument uh, about get these Rory, teams that's already, that's already voted in it's uh, to crazy. follow for parity with the uh, exact parity with the uh, with the uh, Sam Maguire side bonkers, of it so bonkers you'll, uh, yeah. you'll have a lot of cameras to get around no, the place next no, year no we won't <laughs> <laughs> a lot of sound engineers uh, uh, yeah. yeah 
up up high cranes behind goals. No, but, but they're on the a, even on a on a practical level. Imagine the amount of referees, linesmen, everything like that. Yeah. The logistics of organising this whole thing next year is going to be completely beyond, I think, the scope of the GEA. Yeah, that's an interesting point. You know, the, the managers, a lot of the managers say they want games, they want games against as many games as possible to develop. That's that's the mantra that you hear. But um, the public interest uh, point that Rory makes is fair. And then the logistics point that you make, Colin, is also quite fair. So um, I guess we'll see how the first year goes. <laughs> and uh, But it looks like, as you say, the round robin is cast cast in stone. Um, okay, two matters in Ulster. Um, Colm O'Rourke, if Derry are to win the Ulster title, um, it's it could be called perhaps the perfect Ulster title if they're going to have to go and beat the three teams who've won the thing every year since 2011, as far as I know, Donegal, Monaghan and Tyrone. Um, they beat an off-colour Tyrone very comfortably. Um, they let Monaghan back into it a bit at the end yesterday, but I think nobody really thought anyone but Derry was winning that match. And if people are going to start describing Monaghan as being off-colour yesterday, you might have to start thinking about what the, the common factor is here. Rory Gallagher's Derry team maybe have a habit of making opponents look a little bit off-colour. Yeah, and uh, like they weren't too far away last year against Donegal. So this isn't a sort of a, a bolt out of the blue. They had a, a good championship run. They had then that uh, very good league run in Division 2. And I think that they were... Uh, the, the, the system worked against them, if you recall. They got a draw against Roscommon when they should have got a win. Shane McGuigan was sent off in the wrong. And then, of course, in the last game, uh, Galway put out a dummy team against Roscommon in the league. So it, it, it all played against Derry. And uh, so they have made solid progress. It's not a flash in the pan. The performance against Tyrone took me by surprise, I think, like everybody else. I still expected Monaghan to beat them yesterday, a hardened outfit, but uh, they seemed unable to cope early on with the defensive blanket of Derry. So, um, on the basis of last year's championship match, this should be a, a really, really uh, close game. I may, I would not say entertaining game because both sides are going to obviously lean heavily on uh, a 17-man defence. So it's going to be tight. Uh, I'm probably low scoring, but Derry are the story so far. Uh, I I have to say, Colin Keys, I, I find Derry quite uh, quite interesting to watch. I think they're um, it is kind of the 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 classic Rory Gallagher template, all right. But you know, with some you know some fantastic kick passers there, so they're not just running the ball endlessly like they they are looking to kick the ball um but when they run it by jesus as they showed in the second half they can run it and they've got some fantastic inside forwards um but the basis it's fair to say is the kind of suffocation of the opposition and like people said last week monaghan liked to play against a set defense well here's a set defense that they they, they they couldn't crack yeah they haven't conceded a goal now against tyrone or monaghan uh which is uh testament to obviously the way they've set up they've made themselves very very difficult to beat but they can add a bit of variety to their game too i think it's fair to say that they they're not just all about defense there are some fast breakers there if you saw them at bradley point mm. uh fantastic point ran the length of the field if you look at oren lynch's kick for the uh the second goal mm. um over the top 
Uh, again, there's there's variety there. Obviously, Connor Glass brings great pace and energy to the to the middle as well. So there's a lot about them. But obviously, Garrett McKinless has become the key player, and he's one of the fastest breakers with the ball. While he's also a magnificent defender, a magnificent tackler, and I think to be fair to Rory Gallagher, he got all his matchups uh, correct yesterday uh, and seemed very but- happy about it at times. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, obviously, Jack McCarron was well held by Chris Chris McCaig and Brendan Rogers on Gary Moan. Just just the matchups were all were all correct, and he's put himself. He's a very very good coach. Obviously, lays out the team pretty well. And this is, I think, he's the first uh, manager to uh, bring teams to an Ulster final to three three different counties to Ulster finals, which is something John O'Mahony would have done in Connacht, and obviously Mick O'Dwyer did it between. Kerry and Leash and Kildare, but it's a rare thing for a manager to bring three different teams to uh, to provincial finals. He hasn't won any yet, but I give them a very strong, strong up, strong chance in this. Based on last year's performance, as Colm said, they they were very reluctant to shoot in the closing stages. They may have got a draw, and it took a Patrick McBrearty winner from distance to uh, to get Donegal over the line. But Derry really had their chances, and they were in that game for a long, long time. So. That, that given that they've probably improved quite a bit since then, it would give them a really strong shove in this. Yeah, he's a real kind of uh, personality manager, Roy. I think as much as I got used to Wexford under Davy Fitzgerald always being referred to as Davy Fitzgerald's Wexford, it kind of like he became the star player on the team. There's a touch of that with Derry, isn't there? That Rory Gallagher is kind of seen as like he's almost the star of the show, despite the wonderful players that they have. Yeah, I, I mean, what we mentioned before, some of the sideline antics can be, you know, like, are they distracting? Are they, you know, an unnecessary? Do they add a bit of colour? Do they add a bit of pageantry to the whole thing? To my mind, I quite enjoy it because it's great from a TV perspective. <laughs> but I suppose, I, as Kevin McStay mentioned when we were speaking about it, it's not so good if you're the opposition manager. I think in fairness to him, that sort of... Um, that sort of, you know, injection of passion, that's the ge- ge- gesticulation to the crowd. I think it kind of generates a really, a really good um, sense of goodwill in and around the team. It gets the supporters up and going um, and he's created a really good mentality. I think the players are, you can obviously see the players are playing for them. They've had some knocks and blows through the league. They obviously lost one of their better midfielders when he decided to go to the States. That didn't really seem to stall their momentum in any way, shape or fashion. They've actually gotten better, I think, um, despite maybe a stuttery finish to the to the league campaign. And um yeah, I think they've like they're 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 a big team to watch now. And it's going to be an absolutely fascinating Ulster final. I mean, I presume it's going to be in Clonus. I say it'll be sold out. Like I mean they're obviously neighbouring counties, so there's going to be fantastic rivalry, fantastic colour around it all. And as Colin mentioned, like what an achievement to take three different three different counties to Ulster finals. Is it for Manor Donegal and Derry? Obviously, are the three Colin, I presume, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like that's you know he he has something. Um, I often kind of wonder, is he the kind of manager that maybe the Cork footballers or somebody like that, you know, like a docile sleeping giant would need that sort of injection into them just to sort of shake them out of their stupor. But, um, you know, like you won't be getting him to come all the way down from Killy Beggs down to Cork anytime soon, I'd imagine. So he's happy enough tipping away with Derry and they're flying it. I think from Monaghan's perspective, it's just very, uh, it's a bit disappointing. Like, I mean, they scored 11 points. Like Jack, if you were to offer Banty before the game, right, you're going to say Connor, Connor McManus and Jack McCarran are going to score 11 points, admittedly mostly freeze. 
you're going to get five points from play from your two midfielders and your three halfbacks. You're going to get 17 scores and you're only going to concede 12 points. I'd say Banty probably would have taken the hand off you for that. And ultimately, it was the three goals that cost him. And um, it might, be, it might seem very cliche, but look, that's, 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 you know, they went after goals. It's a couple of really well worked. Benny Heron, you know, you know, absolutely excellent second goal. So, mm. and oh, it's got like they're, they're flying and good luck to him. Yeah, yeah, man, go on, Con. I would, I, I, I'd find Rory Gallagher on the line a bit of a distraction. I, I often wonder, does that do anything for players or the crowd? Um, Derry have a quite a small following for football anyway. They're it's largely South Derry. They're not traditionally huge followers of football at county level. Um, the thing that would concern me about uh, the Derry performance yesterday is good teams get a lot more than 12 points in a game because you need to strip out the goals from a lot of these performances. And most teams, I think the point you'd make, Rory, would be 16, 17 points. Normally, that's what a team should be getting in points. And then adding a goal or two on top of that. If you have a team stuck at, say, 12 points, that's quite a low figure in sort of perfect weather conditions for football. And it's normally not good enough to win the big game. So if they were to score a total of 21, I'd prefer to see them getting 118 than 312 because oftentimes the goals dry up, particularly against sides like Donegal. Yeah, yeah, it's, you're kind of like uh, it, the the argument of uh, you know outscoring them. I think Wexford outscored Westmead the other day in the hurling, but unfortunately Westmead had a few goals in there, which is the problem. Um, what about yeah, Colin Morrock, Monaghan going into the um qualifiers now? They're hardly you know they're not broken. They're still Monaghan, and they're like they're a big fish in those qualifiers, and you wouldn't you wouldn't imagine too many teams would fancy getting them. No, certainly not. Uh, you know, Monaghan are probably in the top six in the country, but are very di- find it very difficult to get beyond that. And I don't think anybody would say Monaghan are likely to win the All Ireland coming through the back door as some counties would have done in the past. Wouldn't, but they will still be very, very difficult to beat and capable of taking a big scalp or two to get to the stage where they'd be playing some of the uh, winners of the provinces in the quarterfinal. Uh, could you see Monaghan beating Kerry or Dublin? No. But certainly Galway or Roscommon, yes. And maybe Donegal or uh, Derry again, uh, I'd say quite possible. But I think that's their limit. Yeah. Um, okay. We'll leave that and go down to matters in Leinster. Sorry, Columns. Um, <laughs> um, this would be quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, we won't we won't dwell too much on the game. But Column Keys, I was interested in uh, Desi Farrell's comments after the match. Uh, asked about you know our Dublin back in the race for Sam Maguire. It's not about all Ireland for us. I can assure oh, yeah. you. That's uh, that's nonsense anyway, Colin Keyes, yeah. isn't it? If it's not about all, all Ireland, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure what it is about for, uh, for Dublin. But I have to say, as bad as Mead were, and Mead were poor, and uh, the more that Dublin stripped them open, the worse actually Mead became. And the scars of previous heavy defeats to Dublin really told and told very quickly. But I thought Dublin were superb in the first half yesterday. They had 18 shots for points, 17 scores, just some of the precision. And I got a real sense of renewal about Dublin and probably most reflected in James McCarthy's performance. He got up from halfback to score two points. 
just some of his just positioning and some of his drive. And, you know, he makes that acceleration over 20, 20 metres and he just opens up everything. And uh, that was probably missing a little bit from him last year. He's captain now and he's chasing a record ninth All-Ireland medal. And I feel he's really driven. And I thought he was very, very pivotal, obviously, with Kieran Kilkenny and Conor Callaghan look very, very sharp at times in the first half too. And Mead really had no answer to them from very early on. And I, I thought a white flag went up uh, in some cases in Mead. And obviously, obviously they they um, they closed the gap a little bit in the second half. But that's that's a false premise. That's no basis for nothing really. And uh, Dublin just they were like roadkill against them, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, Rory. Uh, Dublin obviously chastening humbling I think Jesse Farrell called it their Division 1 campaign so far they have made uh, mincemeat of a bad Division 4 team uh, they have humiliated a bad Division 2 team who they love humiliating and now they're going to play their fellow relegatees from Division 1 in the final normally you could say with the Dublin of old or the Dublin of pre last year you'd say ah, it doesn't matter how weak the Leinster Championship is they'll, they'll hit their ground running in the quarterfinals I suppose now we do kind of have our questions because the last time they went up against Division 1 opposition, they were relegated from Division 1. So it's, it, Colm talks about renewal, like it'll have to be tested. Like it looks like they're going to win Leinster now, but the questions won't go away until they win a quarter final against a contender. That's fair. Um, but at the same time, like we mentioned a couple of weeks ago about the warm weather week they went off for in Portugal and I think they have a week or 10 days out there it was during the Easter break so whatever physical physical work you might get done whatever training you might get done um, I think what sometimes that like I've spoken to players that have been on those and the one thing they'll say to you is surprisingly the one thing that those types of activities can do is it can clear the air and clean the slate in in a in a in terms of the atmosphere in the dressing room and in terms of morale because you're in each other's ears and you have no choice but to talk to each other about any problems that you might have and that was the noticeable thing for me I know dismantling Wexford mightn't have been something you know to be writing home at Christmas about but at the same time it was the manner of the way they did it. And then it was also the manner in the way they played yesterday would suggest to me that there's a renewed spirit amongst them. Uh, it, it's absolutely fair that you can't really judge until they come up against a team that, you know, is playing at a similar level. And Meads are obviously mid-table Division 2, so that's going to be difficult to achieve. But I think, look, they've got a lot of good players back Everybody, I mean, they have Larkin Odell, I thought, played really well. Watched the match there this morning. Um, you know, he filled in, I think, was it centre back? Was he kind of more or less he, he was he played? He, played uh, he, was, sen- he was centre forward. Center Brian forward. Howard went to centre back, and Larkin Odell was actually Howard went to centre back. That's he's centre right, forward, and Kieran Kilkenny was, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and then, and then obviously, I'd look the the tip of the spear with Conor Callaghan coming back in, and like we've already mentioned, like even the gold or the, the penalty that he got. You know, he catches catches a ball inside, his ability to turn. He's just a nightmare. He's at, we mentioned as well this before, he's at a David Clifford type level. You, we shouldn't underestimate the value of what he gives them up front and how much he changes the weaponry around their attack. So they looked like James James McCarthy, looked like he rolled back the years, kicked a, couple, kicked a couple of great scores from play. They have like Brian Fenton, again, looks like he's after rediscovering a bit of form. 
and I think they're they're in. I'd say they're waking up to this morning, despite obviously the you know the poor challenge from me. I'd say they're waking up this morning and happy out. Um, Colm O'Rourke, where do you stand on the Dublin good bad or me the ba- bad debate? Like how far how far either way on this graph are you going? Well, I think it's the worst defeat that I can ever recall me experiencing on the hands of Dublin because it was all over in 15 minutes. Like when Dublin went five up, there was no way back for me at that stage. But I did say after the Wexford game that I thought this is a different Dublin. And I think you look at the thing, Dublin have the best panel of players or the second best panel of players only to carry. And for me, it was just a question are this group going to be motivated, have the, the same togetherness that's needed to win in All-Ireland? And I think after last year, that defeat stung a bit and maybe the criticism of them stung. And it was obvious from the Wexford performance that they were back together again. And I would think that a lot of these players are saying to themselves, there would be nothing nicer than when we have appeared to be dead and buried to come back and win another All-Ireland. And you can imagine for the likes of James McCarthy, motivation now for him to go up to Hogan stand and put the Sam Maguire over his head. That must be a massive motivation for him after winning so much as he did and uh, to get the honour of captain of the team. Strange that he wasn't captain even before this. But Dublin, I think, are in very good working order. The likes Lee Gannon, Larkin O'Dell, Tom Laheath, they have added a little bit to it. But when you look at the range of players they have, they still have, to me, better players than anybody else, including Kerry. And I think the game of the championship is when Kerry and Dublin meet. And that's get your tickets in advance of that. I think it's going to be in the All-Ireland semi-final. Yeah. And I think that will see uh, the first 80,000 crowd in Crow Park this year. That will be a game to savour. But yeah. I can't see anybody else... The clinical nature of Dublin was incredible. When they won All-Irelands, they used to run up a total of four or five wides in most of their big matches. Last year, they were not nearly as clinical. In the first round of the league against Armada, had 12 or 14 wides, and they were back to their uh, ruthless best yesterday. I don't see them stopping. I think this team, the Dublin team, they've rediscovered their hunger for it. Look at Fenton, Kilkenny. Uh, Brian Howard, Conor Callaghan, Dean Rock. Like those fellas are still as hungry as ever. The McFit Simons, like a young fella bolting out of the back. A team in rare order. Uh, Colm Keyes, they, the Kildare attack will certainly give the Dublin defence a fair test. But I think most neutrals looking at that yesterday were wincing at the thought of what as Colin O'Rourke describes as a, a clinical, economical Dublin attack could do to this Kildare defence. It's definitely the Achilles heel with Kildare, isn't it? it you know. Yeah, and it was something uh, It was something that they had worked hard on. And actually, during the league, there were signs. Uh, I, I was at the Kerry match in Newbridge. Obviously, different conditions and different environment in St. Conlon's Park. They restricted Kerry to 13, 13 points, which was, uh, which was a fair achievement. And David Clifford, Mick O'Grady did fantastic on on David Clifford that afternoon. But you go into Croke Park and uh, I felt they were very, very loose. Um, they were very loose and, and and some of that is fractured. Some of that good defensive work looks a little bit as if it's fractured. But obviously, different challenge coming down the tracks to them now and I'm sure they'll reassert themselves. They do have some very, very lively forwards. 
Obviously, Daniel Flynn uh, is a real handful, and he was a real handful in last year's Leinster final. I mean, he got that superb goal, and I think there was a point as well in the first half. He just has he has magnificent movement and magnificent hands, and you really don't know what's coming next from him. But he's got good support there now from Derek Derek Kerwin and uh, Jimmy Highland, two of their most promising underage players who are really coming strong too. So their inside line uh, is very, very decent. And they themselves will take a bit of watching by the Dublin full back line. But I think Dublin have really, have really set down a marker with what they did against, uh, with what they did and how they did it against me, particularly in the first half. And that elevates them from, from, for me, uh, a little bit ahead. Kildare, ironically, not ironically, very, very much uh, on, on, on cue. Um, Dublin, Dublin Kildare will now contest all three provincial finals. First time that's happened. It's the first time Kildare have been in three Leinster finals in the same year, minor, under 20 and senior. And when you combine that with the fact that NACE reached last year's Leinster club final, and obviously at schools level, NACE are so strong as well. They're Hogan Cup winners. Mm. Uh, things are really on the move for Kildare. So irrespective of what happens uh, in the Leinster final, they are a county very, very much mobilising and have asserted themselves as definitely the second best team in 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 the province. And I think they will be that that way for some time. Uh, you mean men are going to have to look at how Kildare are mobilising this huge population growth on the commuter belt and uh, how do Kildare see, are doing it? Do we see it being competitive? Do we see the Leinster final being competitive, Cullum? Well, I, I, I think if Westmead score 215 against uh, Kildare, it's hard to see Dublin not scoring more than that. And uh, Kildare got, what, one, one goal in 21, which is a huge score to run up in any game. Uh, I can't see it. I, I can't see anything other than a reasonably easy Dublin victory. If uh, Kildare, Kildare got to it in four or five points, I would be surprised. Yeah, could be entertaining though. I think you could get the impression. Yes. Well, <laughs> Hopefully, I, I would, more entertaining than yesterday. I would, I would, I would certainly hope. But I think Kildare will will have a different approach to what they had last year. Uh, they were very cautious, no real ambition. Um, I don't think that will wash with the Kildare public this time, though. So, and even the players, I think, will want to go out. And if they lose by the same margin, but lose differently, a little bit like Cork uh, against Kerry, if they went out with that approach. And I think the margin will obviously come in a, a lot, a lot lower than that with Cork and Kerry last week. But I, I, I just feel that they'll take a different approach than they did last year. And I think their people will want them, to, want them to. And uh, it may end up around the same place, you know, a, a reasonably easy win for Dublin. But I think they'll take a lot from it, Kildare, to to, to press on. If Kildare yeah. are going to win, there's only one way they can beat Dublin, and that's score about four goals. So their whole sort of attacking should be built around scoring goals. Forget about points. Yeah, and pray, I think. Rory, finally, uh, the last word is on Munster. Billy yeah. Lee stuck it to you. You continually no, rubbed them off, they yeah. and they, they did the job. Two ten to ten point win over Tipperary. So they're 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 on the grand prize of playing a very well rested Kerry, who are letting their players back to play club football. I see as well. So they're going to be well rested, have a, a few matches in their legs, and Limerick are up coming up against them. Yeah, not only that, then they have to go down to Killarney as well, where they're tra carrier training every night of the week at the minute. So the task doesn't get any easier, and they're fighting for places down there. They, it's a difficult game for both teams because, you know, what kind of credit are Kerry going to get for winning the game, which inevitably they will do, um, not much. And 
you know, like from a Limerick perspective, what's is, what's the best that they can hope for? In fairness, look, they have had, I think Kieran Whelan mentioned Penalties. Last night. They want to go to penalties. I think Kieran Whelan, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the last thing about the penalties was within a week, sure, though, how who have about the penalties was all forgotten because we had penalties in a rugby tournament the following week. So everyone was talking about that. But anyway, that's another day's story. But um, the, the issue around, like, look, I think Kieran Whelan mentioned it last night. They're very much in bonus territory, and I think he's spot on in that. They have gotten promotion up to Division 2. They're going to be playing a lot more competitive football. They're going to be playing Dublin in the league next year, and Cork, and Clare. And so they'll have a few derbies thrown in. I think the key thing for them is to just go down now. Um, like, they, like, they played well. Again, you know, Josh Ryan is a right handful at full forward. They've got a good spine to their team. But, you know, look, they're going into the bacon slicer really down in Killarney and, uh, on the 28th, uh, 3 o'clock throwing as well on a Saturday afternoon and Munster football final. Interesting. See how that one pans out in terms of a crowd. But, um, yeah, so, look, I think from uh, Limerick's point of view, they can just go down and have a cut. There's no pressure on them. No one's giving them a chance. And I think from their point of view, as, as Wheelow mentioned last night, they're in bonus territory. They'll be in a qualifier. They might draw Cork and they could be Cork. You could see him in a quarterfinal, you know, depending on how the draw pans out. True. All right. Um, we'll leave it there for the football chat, lads, and we'll be back in a minute to talk to Jackie. So I'll say thank you to you, Colin O'Rourke, and we'll see you again soon. Thank you very much, Mikey. Bye, keys up. See you, Rory. Talk to you, Colin. Welcome back. We've been joined by Jackie Terrell to talk about Hurland. Jackie, how are you? Good, Mikey. How are you? Ah, sure. I'm all right. I'm, I'm grand now. We'll, we'll talk about Munster first. When we get to talking about Leinster, my mood may deteriorate slightly. Uh, <laughs> my my only saving grace is Rory's old bugbear, the camera angle. Uh, the, the camera angle among the garments. We were spared the gruesome details. <laughs> it was... Uh, Hurling, hurling is hard. Hurling is a hard game to film at the best of times, trust me. Wexford are finding it a hard game to play at the moment as well. So, yeah. Um, anyway, we won't start there. We'll start with the. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll go down to Cusick Park, with, uh, which had nice camera angles, which is just as well because we were treated, lads, to an absolute clinker of a game, Jackie. Um, I saw a few reports saying today saying the standard maybe you know wasn't as, as high as you might expect, but um, I, I think that's nitpicking. I think we got. Like, we we got we, by the end of it. It was the uh, it was a precursor to the monster final, and I don't think there's a person not looking forward to the monster final after that match yesterday. Yeah, maybe that comment is a little over critical. I'd say, Mikey. Sometimes when games are that physical, that intense, there's just stalemate at times. And how many times did a guy get a ball, run into two guys, get turned over? Then he get the ball, he was turned over, and the ball was just left there for kind of 15, 20 seconds, and a ruck was formed. It was that physical. It was that intense. Um, you know, some of the points scored by Tony Kelly in particular was well, the performance of um, Dermot Burns I thought was outstanding. But I suppose the big the big thing coming out is that look, Claire are there thereabouts with Limerick. Um, they stood up to, I suppose, and I would have always thought Claire aren't really a physical team, but actually with the guys back now, they're actually really big and strong, particularly. Down the uh, Connor Cleary, John Conlon, Dye Fitzgerald, or, or David Fitzgerald, and then Peter Duggan's addition in the forwards uh, with Cotton Malone. So they have all, they tick all the boxes when it comes to taking on Limerick, taking on anyone. They play a really, really interesting brand of and the variety that they play. Um, but I would say the emergence of, we say, the, the supporting cast like Cotton Malone, like Ryan Taylor, like Rory Hayes, who's probably one of the top cornerbacks in the game. 
that's been the real help along with the likes of Tony Kelly and Shane O'Donnell they have been really driving it on but it was a fascinating game it was gripping I thought the first 15-20 minutes it was breathtaking stuff I was kind of struggling to see how will they sustain that but once again like, and it, it, he got lost in it Limerick found the answers again like they got a lad sent off they're down some of their marquee players we just kind of take it for standard that Limerick will always perform and will always die with their boots they have to be given huge credit again they didn't get beaten it wasn't looking great from at times in the game particularly when Garrod Hagerty got sent off they were in trouble in certain aspects of the field but they dug it out they dug it out again and that's a real sign of this team and, and the champions that they are yeah uh, Colin when you, when you look at some of the stats it's incredible how closely matched they were like Points from their own puck out, which was like 1-6 for Limerick, uh, 9 for Clare. Points from opposition puck out, 3 for Clare, 2 for Limerick. Turnover points, 10 for Clare, 11 for Limerick. Points from throw-ins, 2 points each, and they finish level. Like um, So the two teams yesterday were very evenly matched, but of course, like the pessimists among us will say, you know, Aaron Gillan, Keane Lynch, Colin O'Neill were in the stands, and um, John Kiley had the luxury of leaving Darrow Donovan and um, one of his corner forwards on the bench uh, and bring him on late on, you know. So it wasn't a full-strength Limerick and Clare have players to come back to, but um, at the same time, Clare will take huge amount of confidence from this. Yeah, and just to develop Jackie's point or just reiterate it, I suppose, because he, he developed it well himself there. The one uh, the one parity that is very that was very, very clear yesterday was that... that um, physical equality that seems to be there between between Clare and Limerick and I thought it was probably apparent in the Cork match two weeks ago when I felt for a long time Clare, Clare bullied Cork um, in their pursuit of the ball uh, it, they were ferocious in that and they carried, they essentially carried that into uh, Cusick Park again yesterday and Jackie is right down the spine of the team from Conor Cleary, I mean restoring, relocating uh, John Conlon to centre back has really, really worked well for them. And Peter Duggan hasn't been around. He's really, he's finding his feet too. And David Fitzgerald's move up front, I think that's another big, big benefit uh, for Claire Hurling this year. So, you know, you can never, you can never uh, measure those statistics in terms of, in terms of physical impact that they're the great imponderable, but you could see it yesterday that Claire are one of the teams that can really stand up physically uh, to this Limerick team. And in Cusick Park, and we'd make the point, Cusick Park is as big as Croke Park. It's as big as any any of the uh, mm-hmm. main grounds, but it has that claustrophobic feel. The crowd are right on top of you. It was a real derby, a real, it's a real validation. Yesterday's occasion in Cusick Park is a real validation for the round robin series in terms of in terms of atmosphere, what it creates around the town, and of course that rivalry with, with something to play for. So Clare are right up there on the coattails of Lim- Limerick. Granted, as you say, Galan, who has been in terrific form uh, for, for Limerick in this competition so far, and obviously Keane Lynch uh, ha- has been missing since early in the, in the Waterford game, probably will be back for the Munster final in three weeks' time. I would imagine if it's a regular hamstring, six weeks should take him pretty close to it if he's, he could be on the, on the bench too. And O'Neill, Cahill O'Neill has really sprung. So yes, Limerick, have a lot of players to come back, a lot of influential players to come back. Because there is a great mix about Clare. They've introduced Shane Meehan yesterday as well. He's a real live wire forward. He can give them something different too. So it's a game, I think, for 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 everyone to look forward to. But in the immediacy, of course, there's who makes the third place. That's uh, that's really riveting. And again, another validation of the round robin series. 
Mm. Uh, Rory, the, the the forwards, you know, often do get get a lot of the credit. Jackie will shake his head ruefully, obviously, and Tony Kelly's getting a lot of headlines this morning. But in Rory Hayes and Connor Cleary, Clare have two inside defenders who they make any team in the country at the moment without a shadow of a doubt. I think they make the Limerick team. I make the argument big time. And the one noticeable aspect from yesterday, from from our point of view, anyway, certainly because goals always kind of light up a game, was the paucity of goal chances that were actually created. I don't think there did. Did Clare have a goal chance yesterday? I don't think they did. Um, mm. And I think Limerick's was only one, which will give you an indication of how good both inside full back lines are. I mean, Mike Casey and Sean Finn and Barry Nash. Barry Nash was outstanding, you know. So, like, I think both full back lines and they're really problem positions for an awful lot of intercounty teams. Well, they, they certainly are for some anyway. And um, yeah, I just like, like in Rory Hayes and Conor Cleary, it was like we were kind of half expecting the wrestling match between himself and. Kyle Hayes, which we got to a to a large extent, and um, yeah, I think in fairness to Cullum Lines, and I know there's been a lot of criticism uh, of him for certain aspects, but I thought he actually contributed to a good show, now a, a good game, in that he let as much of it go as he possibly could. Um, now I know people will say, "Oh, look, that's Nemo Rangers bias pop- popping in there," and I'm only standing up for Cullum, but I actually think like. In general, people are way too harsh on referees. Like the game of intercounty hurling now, um, right across the board, is largely, in my view, borderline ungovernable. Um, there are so many areas around the game that are just like they're, they're effectively, if you look at loads of different aspects, there's loads of gray areas and teams are pushing it to the limit. You know, like I was, I noticed, I'd say, on about maybe six or seven occasions yesterday, yesterday where the goalkeepers were stepping way outside the small square for the puck outs. That's never called at inter-county level. It's, and it's not like that they don't have enough length on the puck out to begin <laughs> with. You can take as many steps as you like. You know, the ball out is no longer hand-passed really. It's largely thrown unless it's particularly obvious. And he did pull a couple yesterday. What's a tackle? Bar, unless, unless it's a head-high collision, they won't blow for a free. So effectively, you know, fill your boots and do whatever you like. Free take, even free taking, right? Free taking is a big one for me. I think they've, and, and Patrick Horgan is right up there in terms of culpability on this. I think they've been fouling the freeze for years. Like when they load the ball onto the hurley pre strike, that ball isn't meant to sit there for four to five seconds while they control it and then strike. You know, TJ's a master of it, Patrick Horgan. But to my mind, they're actually fouls, n- never called. So that rule now has been done away with. And then you look at the pulling and dragging that's going on. So when you combine all of that, yeah, look, there might have been a, a, a bit of a much of a muchness around the Garrod Hagerty. And you could probably argue, did he deserve to be sent off on the two yellows? Maybe not, right? But, like, it's a very, very difficult job in terms of how fast and how everything mm. that's going on. If I was to have one small criticism of Column yesterday, I did find it astonishing that there were only three minutes additional time because I'd, I, I, I timed it back. I think there was about two and a half minutes of starting out with Garrod Hagerty's second yellow because he obviously didn't want to send him off. There was about three or four stoppages at least. And I think there was eight substitutions used across both teams. Ah, Rory, we've got to classic, let's just call this one a draw territory. Yeah, really, yeah maybe, uh, maybe. But tr- three minutes did seem a little bit on the low end. Yeah. But overall, look, I mean, just to, re- just to reiterate what the lads said, I mean, it was that we were down there. I mean, what an atmosphere. What a victory for the round robin. 
what an occasion the atmosphere inside there was just electric the atmosphere around the town was fantastic um and yeah it's just a pity now that it's nearly all over (laughs) (laughs) uh jackie but we might as well touch on the garode hegarty um incident um i don't think anybody i don't think too many people thought either of them were yellow cards um and i think there's definitely a case now he, he's entered the territory of being slightly condemned for being Garod Hegarty. But the counter argument there is just don't give Colum Lyons anything to look at. Just just you have to be an altar boy. I know that might be difficult, but like as soon as the whistle goes, just 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 be an altar boy. Just just stop. Don't react to anything. Don't do anything. Just like he has no other choice now because he is. For a start, he's massive, so he can't be missed. And secondly, he does have a bit of a reputation, I suppose, for having a temper or whatever. And you you probably know well enough that, not saying you, but teammates, etc., that that can follow you around and can be very hard to shake. Yeah, I, I can remember in Kieran's college, there used to be, a, when everyone was, detention was on a Friday and the list used to go up during the week and everyone would be gathered around looking at it. And the same culprits were all was on it, because I'd say if a teacher caught, caught, came into a classroom and there was trouble going on, they'd pick out the one or two usual lads and they went straight on detention. I feel Garrod Hagerty is probably after going into that realm. Um, neither of them were yellow card. How the first one was a yellow card baffles me. Um, I get the whole he shouldn't leave himself exposed to get involved in that kind of stuff, but we're playing a game of hurling that has never been as intense, never been as physical. Like, What did he actually do wrong in the second instance other than try tackle a guy whose hurl was there I, I thought the big call out was how the clear defender went down and made it out that he was shot. Like, I do understand Garrod He's a big physical man. He plays on the edge. He's quite physical. Sometimes he fouls, sometimes he doesn't. But he has definitely been watched for his physicality. He's definitely been watched because he's mentioned on these kind of things. I didn't, he didn't do anything wrong yesterday, but somehow he found himself on the sideline. And obviously, hugely frustrating for him. He's waking up this morning. He's been spoken about this week. And he done nothing wrong. I, I actually, I actually feel for the guy. Um, like it just made no sense how he could be booked when he's just trying to take a sideline that Limerick always do quick, and David, Dave McInerney stood in front of him. I think the accountability needs to be on the players that are are feigning injury and that are going down and making this bigger than it actually is. Um, mm. And yeah, he is. You could possibly him, Aaron Galan, Austin Gleeson. They are being watched very closely, like with Kilkenny. When we played, Tommy Welsh was watched. I was watched. Noel Hickey was watched. And we got- <laughs> there's a right. There's a good hit list there, Jackie. <laughs> <laughs> there was, but like you could go on. <laughs> <laughs> but like you know, I suppose like how does he go playing the game and putting in huge tackle counts every week? Of course, his hurl is going to be in areas where it, it's going to be or someone could wrap it around and go down. But you just have to kind of go. You hope in the spirit of the games that lads aren't going to really injury. And, and like, if that's the road we're going down, well, then we're in trouble because we can't lose that physicality. Yeah, so Colin John Kiley said he was going to appeal. And as much as we all give out about the appeal process and how it's undermining referees, there's not a hope in hell Grode Hegarty's sending off is going to stand, I don't think, is there? But does he need uh, to appeal, Colm? Does he need to appeal? I mean, there's no... No, he doesn't need to appeal, Rory. He doesn't need to appeal because he's not suspended. Because there's it's no two suspension yellows. pending. Yeah. So it's only if Garrod gets two more yellow cards and a red card and uh, a similar offence would would then lead to a suspension. And at that point, at that point, Limerick could appeal uh, either of the yellow cards in yesterday's game. And, and of course, they'll get off. So so really, 
he can be probably sent off on the double yellow again if he so chooses or if the a referee so chooses. And he, he won't serve a suspension. It won't be it won't apply because uh, I think I think he'll, he'll get off with either yellow card from yesterday if an appeal does take place at some point in the future. But just on the point Jackie was making, there was for a long, long time almost a code of honour in hurling, much more so than football, where there was mm-hmm. no theatrics, no diving, no remonstrating from opposition sideline. I felt the reaction was very, very strong from Clare towards towards Limerick. Obviously, it's an instinctive thing and they see a player down and they're calling for attention from the referee to, to, go, to go and do something about it. In a place like Cusick Park, that's uh, the atmosphere crackling. There's a lot of pressure on for a referee to actually go and act. And in the middle of all this is Gerard Hegarty, who we know can be very, very loose at the hurl. We saw it in the All-Ireland semi-final in 2020 with Joe Canning. And obviously earlier this year, he does. There isn't any question. He, he has a reputation for it. In this instance, I think anyone fair-minded would say, no offence here, he connected with the hurl. It wasn't, there was very, very little force in it at all. I don't think we can say it was an offence at all. But obviously, uh, he sails close to the edge all the time. And I think that reputation definitely preceded him uh, yesterday. But it is creeping into the game. I think we mm. saw it in the league semi-final with Austin Gleeson. Players are going down a little bit quickly, drawing attention to referee referees to offences like that. We are seeing a lot more of it in hurling, which was never there. For like a if long, you remember, if you remember the two thousand, yeah, if you remember the two thousand and nine final, actually, and Jackie will obviously remember it very well. With Benny Dunn and Benny Tommy Dunn Walsh. and Tommy Walsh, and he hit a hit him a right belt. Now, in fairness, yes. and Tommy, Tommy went down initially, but he was up like, but he only he went down because up. of the because of the ferocity of the belt. But he was up like a shot and just jogged yeah. off. Now, I think Dermot Corwin had no choice in that situation, but it wasn't because Tommy was rolling around the ground. You know, no, he got up and he moved away pretty quickly, and you would have seen that that was quite prevalent. For a long, long time, but in the last two, three, four years, you're certainly seeing a play on referees a lot more. And I think we've seen it a few times this year, uh, where that's where that's creeping in. Can't say whether that that was the case with Aaron Fitzgerald. Had something happened earlier in an earlier incident that maybe there was a delayed reaction to it? I I don't know, but he certainly went down quick in that incident, and it led. It led to the decision-making process. There can be no must doubt about it. There must have been a long delay, Colin, if, if something did happen. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it, it's um, John Kiley's obviously had this on his mind for a while because obviously Jackie, after the, uh, towards the end of the league last year, he kind of made comments after the game against Galway, kind of you know, which he then went on to retract, um, which in the kind of made a bit of a palaver of the whole thing, but like. Yeah, he didn't say it in the first place for no reason. It's obviously something on his mind. He knows he has a big physical team. He knows they kind of have a reputation now, and they know they're the best team in the country. People want to beat them. So I'd say this is something John Kiley was worried about, but I don't think John Kiley alone is worried about This is not something I don't mean to come across as kind of like, uh, I said, like some old school um, quarterback like yourself, Jackie, um, or some protector of the game. But really, you, you don't want to see this in Hurling because one thing about Hurling is, is 30 lads with sticks running around the field trying, you know, chasing after one ball and you get hit you get hit at every level playing hurling and it's almost like golf there should be a code of honor here it, it, it just if it if roy's up a column lines having an impossible job the job becomes more impossible if people start feigning injury and hurling because you could feign injury anytime the ball comes near you <laughs> yeah and rory loses all the difficulties and the challenges that a referee uh are faced with so if this is another one and it is one it's 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 as colin Malota, it's gone on in the game a couple of years 
if this is another one that referees have to deal with, and there's so many bodies around rooks, how can a referee police, well, he actually got hit or he didn't get hit or he's going down soft. So we have to take that on as 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 players that we have to play it within the spirit of the game. Um, and yeah, it's it's we all want to win and it, we see the role that soccer has gone down and how hard that is now. But the only way to do it is is to is to punish guys that do it and come down hard on it and, and try stamp it out again because it's it's too hard to referee games and too hard to police things if we have big strong guys. Lads have never been as strong, but they've never been going down as soft. Yeah. Um, okay, we've a fair bit to get through, so we better push on and let Rory talk about Cork. Um, you never doubted them, Rory. You never no, doubted I them. No, I did, I did. <laughs> but listen, one swallow, one swallow a summer does not make. Uh, I wouldn't be getting too excited at the same time. I think I kind of feel sorry a little bit for Waterford, uh, more so than anything else, because I do actually think they were they would probably be in a better position to take down Limerick and give Limerick a better game had they managed to make it through. Can you trust Cork to go next week and get the job done against Tipperary? I'll leave other people make judgment call on that. But I think from um, from a Cork perspective, yeah, I mean they they went out and played. It was just yeah, it it was just bizarre. Like I mean, you some people were saying they could sense it coming. I I was kind of going, I don't know. I mean, there was a few different aspects to the performance yesterday that I definitely think they got right. I was hugely impressed with Luke Mead. I think he definitely gives them a little bit more uh, shelter in that defence, and especially when you've got such a young lad who again played really well yesterday, and he's going to be something else, lads. This fella will be, oh, what a player he's going to be. Um, so, Kieran Joyce, like, so Luke Mead, I think, definitely helped, just put a small bit more solidity, did a lot more hassling and harrying and a lot more of the donkey work that maybe the midfield choice weren't doing in the past. I thought Conor Lee Han rolled back the years, I was delighted for him. Obviously, Harnady got man of the match, I thought Conor Lehan probably gave him a run for his money. And I think the introduction of Tim O'Mahony up front was massive. Obviously, going in there at full forward made a huge difference, and he gives him an option to go along. And I think, you look, I said this before, the, there is a possibility that Patrick Horgan's role may be changing and that might be coming sooner than we think now. Yeah, um, Jackie, it was, it was interesting to to watch because we've been talking about the, the size of the Waterford squad and like the, the strength of their panel, but it was the Cork bench yesterday, really, that kind of, that, that almost kind of won the game, wasn't it? Kingston and particularly O'Mahony coming in. Um, now Cork were already going well, but it, it really like they they put daylight between the between themselves and Waterford after those substitutions. They did. They offered a lot of punch to the team, and I always wonder why is Shane Kingston not starting for Cork? Mm -hmm. I think he's one of those forwards that just has that pace and power that can just burn someone. And maybe his role now is like when he came off the bench against Kilkenny last year and changed the game. Like the weekend when he came on and made a huge influence with Tim O'Malley. Maybe that is his role. I feel he should be starting, but if he can come on and contribute like he did, both at both ends of the field, you see the, the hook and the work rate that he got to get back and turn over the water for guy, um, I think it was Jack Pendergast or Peter Hogan. So he does, he offers, he's one of those players that when he comes on, he always contributes. And maybe Tim O'Malley position him at a 14, switching him into 11, offers that focal point of the attack. But definitely, it's, it's amazing how one performance can change. Can change. I thought I thought James Harney was best man in the field, but I thought Robbie O'Flynn was brilliant. Mm. I thought his work rate, because Cork don't have that kind of a dirty ball player that just does that dirty work. 
gets the hooks and blocking and his run for Alan Connolly's first goal where he just decided in the middle of the field, I'm getting up off the shoulder here and the pace and the power he showed was brilliant. But there was a bit of a new look to this Cork team. Joyce, I thought, was very good at six. Mark Coleman seems more comfortable at seven. Luke Mead does offer that shield uh, there as well. But my big gripe is, why are we sitting here <clears throat> after the third round at the round robin yeah. and Cork have finally come to the table with a bit of anger and a bit of physicality? Mm. Why, when they were embarrassing in All-Ireland last year, were they not seeding to get back, show signs of it? Why, on round three, do we have to wait for them to bring physicality and work with it? Why wasn't that there in the first round and the second round? Fair enough, things don't happen, but they need to bring that every day. It, their hurling mightn't flow some days, but at least show the Cork fans that they'll show up, they'll front up, they'll get in their face, they'll get hooks and blocks in. You'd like to think that that is the base for them and they go forward with that. If they do, they have a chance. If they don't, it'll just be the same old Cork. Yeah. Callum, sometimes um, you can read people say, you know, uh, that hurling analysis and, and punditry can be a bit uh, simplistic and a lot of talk about physicality and intensity and stuff like that. But actually, in fairness to Shane Downing, he pointed it out in a very X's and O's way on Sunday game last night. He's just like, this is how close the Cork defenders were to every Waterford man for the puckouts. And this is what they weren't doing against Clare. And it's it was just obvious. It was like they were making life difficult for Waterford, where they made life very, very easy for Clare yeah. the last day. Mikey, you can only see what you see. And against Clare, you could just see that the desire to go to the ball from the Cork players collectively, it just wasn't there. It wasn't there in the way that it was there in Walsh Park. Uh, that that desire, that that drive to uh, to win contact ball, anything like that, just wasn't there in Thurlis two weeks ago uh, in the way it was. And, you know, Cork probably have turned a corner here. Uh, and Rory referenced Tim O'Mahony going up front. That was something I felt was obvious after the Limerick game, that they had no physical target up front. Seamus Harney has obviously provides that too. But Tim O'Mahony has a lot of experience at, at underage and club level, underage for Cork and club level uh, of playing up front. And that's something that can, they can probably develop uh, in time. But it really has fallen for, for Cork now in the way that the... The, the last round of fixtures could play out if they if they beat Tipperary and Waterford uh, obviously have a, if they beat Tipperary they do if they beat Tipperary they do yeah yeah so so that's 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 uh, that's fallen really uh, really 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 well for them Tipperary obviously have something to play for something small to play for they obviously need to beat they need to beat Cork by seven points and hope that Waterford uh, Waterford are beaten by eight and Clare. It's very, very unlikely. So it really for Cork, it's uh, it's playing out in front of them, and uh, you know they're they're very much favourites for the third place playoff. Some, amazing how it's yeah. gone yeah. after two pretty poor performances in the opening rounds. One of the things that Kieran Kingston said uh, after the after the Clare game was that the players may have been feeling the pressure from some of the media, some of the commentary around that. Uh, that's that surprised me. I didn't think uh, I didn't think that was a great sign, but obviously they've got over. They've got over that, and sometimes when you're so far off the pace, it's almost like Rory McIlroy in a in a in a major. You know, you, when when it's almost out of sight, he starts to play, and maybe that's the case with this Cork team now that they're better when they're, you know, when they're not in the in the driving seat, when they're not favourites, and they deal with that a little bit better. Well, it's funny you say that because Rory, this is this is definitely the the narrative growing around Waterford now, isn't it? Is that they they don't like 
being favourites. They don't like being fancied. They they prefer to be coming from behind and kind of in the, in the, operating in the shadows. <laughs> it, it, it's it, it is amazing though. I mean, like yeah, th- th- there was a nervousness that you could probably detect locally. I think in Waterford, if you were listening and reading some of the commentary in advance of it, and uh, you know, it just lacked. A little conviction, maybe you saw Liam Cahill kind of issued a rallying call. And I was kind of saying, you know, does he sense something that the rest of us here maybe don't really read? I don't. I, it was it was it was unusual to say mm. the least. Um, but I, I, it's it's absolutely extra. It's the beauty and the cruelty of the round robin mixed into one. In that, the first day out, they're on the back of a brilliant league campaign where they've won the national league only for you know and they haven't won it that often as we think it was, might have only been their fourth or their fifth, and then they have a very good win against Tipperary at home where the pressure was on and Tip put it up to them. And now all of a sudden, within the space of a couple of weeks, their whole season is derailed. It's you know it's 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 amazing. Like this round robin is just it's a it's such a brilliant brilliant format, and it makes hurling not for so, Waterford, not for Waterford, <laughs> but it just goes to show how quickly your season can spin, you know, on one result, and all of a sudden, one thing I would say, I really really hope that it doesn't come down to scoring differences and scoring averages because Seamus Harnady scored a point yesterday, which was waved wide. And I know that, <laughs> right? And I know that Claire got two points in in the in the in the round robin game that Cork played, where one went off. They got a sixty-five, which Tony Kelly pointed, which was obviously wide. So I just hope that it doesn't go down the road of scoring averages. I don't think it will, but um, you just you just hope that that doesn't come into play because. You know, are, look, are you advocating a sit-in protest on the no, Simple Stadium no, no, next Sunday what, afternoon? No, no but I like <laughs> how the umpire didn't see that one go over. The, it hit the inside of the post and went in, uh, you know. How, how great. We had a discussion, uh, Rory and Mikey, back in March about the, the hurling league and how false it was and mm-hmm. how uncompetitive it was. And really, it's been, it's been proved with the results. Oh. Limerick... Limerick beat awfully on the last day, drew, drew with Clare there into a Munster final. We always expected that, but Clare also had an indifferent league and they're in a Munster final, yet Wexford win their first four games. They're hanging on by a thread now in Leinster and obviously Waterford are the league champions hanging on by a thread to Cork. Obviously, they're in a stronger position now, but they had a, they need, they they had to, a pretty decent league. So they, they need to do something with the league, though. I think, Cullum, they need to incentivize the league better. And people say, well, how do you do that? Look, I don't know. There, there are lots of things you could do. Like if you win the league, for instance, if you win the league, you play all your round robin matches at home. Teams would take a fair serious then, wouldn't they? Yeah. Uh, that would probably defeat the purpose of the round robin. Yeah, and, but and but, but, other, but otherwise, but... otherwise you're back into a load of arse boxing and false shadow boxing. Yeah, then again, but, next next. You know, there is a there is a, a a fair section of the year now from February through to March where it's largely uncompetitive and it's inconsequential. A, they're a rock. They're, they're a rock. They're a rock. This cup games, like you know. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever? Did you play in the rock this cup, Jackie? I know, Rory. How old are you? No, I never, I never played the Rocks. I think it was changed into the Burren Cup and the Walsh yeah. Cup and then various different names. No, no. I think Mikey Cadna has about eight or nine Rocks. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Um, I think Column used the W word there, so we better get there. Yeah. By W word, I mean Westmeath, because that's 
you know, I, I could go down a, a, you know, a chasm of despair here and you'd all get a good laugh, but let's be fair to Westmead. This is, um, this is, this is pretty amazing result, Jackie. We, you know, there's been a lot of hand wringing about, you know, promoting hurling in the weaker counties and, you know, kind of the Joe McDonough Cup's not getting the shop window and, you know, it's, you know, it's about trickle down, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think much could do what what could do more for hurling in Westmead than this result other than a win obviously this is huge this 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 did actually send tremors around the hurling world and I imagine it'll be talked about in Westmead a lot more than the Charlton Cup draw is today put it that way yeah I'd say there's, there's only one sport in being talked about Westmead today um what a sensational result mm. um it was unbelievable and like there's a there's a there's a quality of player in this Westmead team. You go through that team. Like normally a, a team like that might have one or two marquee players. You know, you you think back traditionally uh, to Westmead and the Leashes, they'd always have a kind of a, a figurehead. Even if you mm. go back as far as Dublin, it was kind of Conal Keeney and then they came. This Westmead team, like if you go around kind of hurling people, to be able to name three, four, five guys, we'd obviously be able to name more, but like if you go back like right across the team, Tommy Doyle is as good as a hurler around there. Oh, yeah. I would yeah. argue... Dara Egerton or Edgerton is as good as a cornerback that's out there as well. This guy against Shane Connolly last year in the Joe McDonough final was sensational. Did a really good job on Rory O'Connor. An unhurled, brilliant cornerback. Outstanding. Killian Dial, David Glennon obviously transferred as well. Mm. They have a really... The service that Derek McNicholas is after giving them. Correct. I mean, what age is he, Jackie? He must be he about 35 or 36, I'd say. I, he? I heard of him, like, so that'll tell you how old he is. Like, and he's still producing... He might even have an Aractus Cup medal. <laughs> <laughs> but this has been a huge, huge... And, like, David Glennon got sent off. It looked like he was slipping away from him. Wexford uh, had a couple of points on him. They got the goal at the end. They, so they obviously kept believing... What Joe Fortune has done with them more mentally and physically, they kept playing, they kept playing their system of play. And it's not just long ball, they're well able to mix it short and long. So it's been a huge, huge performance. But like Leash a couple of years ago when they turned over Dublin, they need to build on it. Build. They probably need a bit of help, they need a bit of support from, from the GEA as well. Because Hurland is in probably a good place in Westmead now, as good as it has been in a long while. They need to nurture that because we need as many teams being as competitive and getting better and stronger to make our round robins even more competitive next year and the year on after. Yeah, Colm, the, the, one of Wexford and Dublin are going to make it through to an All-Ireland quarterfinal where they're going to play one of Clare and Limerick unless they get beaten by Joe McDonough finalists, which on recent uh, results and form you wouldn't rule out and I'm not being facetious or trying to be funny there you genuinely wouldn't when you look at the scores teams are racking up in the John McDonough at the moment Antrim and Offaly etc um, we haven't got time to get into this debate right now but there is no denying that if you take Galway a team from Connacht and Kilkenny the perennial you know kings of hurling out of it Leinster hurling doesn't look great at the moment in comparison to its western neighbours football doesn't look good either <laughs> No, it's not, Mikey. I think that's probably been the case. You know, you take you take take Kilkenny out of it. Yeah. That has has largely been the case. I'd be disappointed that Dublin haven't haven't come stronger. Obviously, they've beaten Galway uh, in in recent years. Um, two very good wins last year too. Um, they got their win in Wexford Park, which which probably I feel will now will now more than likely get them into that into that uh, preliminary round playoff. Barring an amazing result in Nolan Park on Saturday night, I look. I, I don't give them a chance in that game. Not when you're when you're drawn with uh, when you're drawn with Westmead. I know they'll they'll throw everything at it, but I think Kilkenny are a good bit ahead of them now. Obviously, um, 
But I'd be disappointed with Dublin, some of their performance. I'd be very disappointed with them, uh, how how uncompetitive in the end they were against Kilkenny on Saturday night. And you're right. I mean, I think that there is a, there is a, quite a gap growing between the better teams in Leinster now, which are obviously Galway and Kilkenny. They're, uh, they're starting to get away from the rest, uh, mm. obviously notwithstanding Dublin's win over Galway in recent years. But we'll see how the last game in Saltail plays out. Yeah. But for sure, there's a gap there. Rory, I was um, obviously on, on social media after the match, which is a curse. I think I was sitting outside my children's bedroom waiting for them to fall asleep. So I was torturing myself reading Twitter reaction to the extra match. And uh, you see this awful thing seeping into GA now. It's a bit like simulation in hurling, kind of the the over the top reaction to results. So the, there was, I'd say it was almost trending the hashtag Egan out. You know, it's just like Dar Egan's in his first year. He certainly has a lot of good ideas as a coach. But at the same time, if your goalkeeper drops two balls and your team hit 21 wides, I don't see how that's the manager's fault. Definitely not. And you have to, like, you do have to, you know, persist. Like, I think, Dar, like, Dar Egan, we had Liam Sheedy on. He was obviously, Dara was in with Liam for a few years and Liam spoke very highly about him in terms of him being a very deep thinker on the game. He obviously has a, had a great pedigree as a player as well. Um, yeah, look, I mean, it's again it just goes to show this round robin can you know it can it's it's like a roller coaster and um if you fall if you fall out it's very hard to get back on and like and that's probably what's happened with Wexford I think that first night they just didn't really fire against Galway they probably snuck a point and then the following week where they're playing at home a second time in the space of two weeks, in the space of a week, and then they get beat, turned over by Dublin. I think they're, they're, they're just the spirit probably went out of them a small bit, and that's what allowed Westmead to get in and nick a famous result and get a great draw. The one thing I would also just add, like okay, and, and Jackie mentioned it about their players, like they went toe to toe with Kilkenny for like it was about forty seven or forty eight minutes before mm-hmm. Kilkenny finally put them away. Like they have been putting in, unlike Leash, we'll say they've been putting in very spirited displays all the way through. They've been really having a go each time against all of the teams. Okay, they've been shipping the odd beating, and that's going to happen. I just think Joe Fortune and everybody that's involved down there deserves huge credit. And I think just to echo Jackie's sentiment, you just hope that they build on it now, give them a budget, give them more money. That's ultimately what it'll all come down to. If you can plow, you know, good finances in behind them, you know, get their fitness levels up to a certain level because they certainly have the hurling. Yeah. Um, a word then on your lot, Jackie, I'm, I'm thinking Saturday night, um, I might, I might do some, I might beat myself with a stick, drink some battery acid, stick some matchsticks underneath my na- fingernails, and then I might go down to Nolan Park and have a look. Cause, uh, this maybe could... I'd, I'd suggest stay at home, do a bit of knitting, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is, this is research. I want to go down and see this Kilkenny team now, almost at this stage. Um, you know, I'll go down hoping for a shot, but really just hoping to see, uh, you know, a good old fashioned Kilkenny whomping of Wexford, which I grew up on, you know, um, how good is this Kilkenny team, Jackie? Because they've, they've humiliated Dublin twice now in the league and championship and you could, we, we don't know where Dublin are exactly. They did manage to beat Wexford and Wexford Park, but obviously Wexford aren't like it, the problem here is that Kilkenny, the only match they've lost is to the team that aren't from Leinster. They're doing what they usually do to their Leinster compatriots. I'm just wondering, how do you think they stand up to say the Limericks and Clares at the moment? I would say they're a bit behind Limerick um, and maybe even Clare at this stage. I I feel they're still feeling their way around. Um, they bet Leash and Westmead. 
They lost to Galway, which was a real test. Realistically, on Saturday, they didn't get a test. If you look at the Dublin team, um, outside of Donald Burke, the only, they got two points from play. One was from Reem McBride and the other was from Mark Shute, a sub that came on. So really, there was no real test. I would say there's a, a from the first game, there's a better feel to this team with Richie Reid at six, Paddy Deegan moving to the wing, King Kenny positioned in a two-man full forward line. TJ hit a bit of form the weekend. Um, Mossy Keown is kind of one of those real dogs of war, but he's very underrated. And you see his piece of skill for his for his goal. Mm-hmm. This guy is well able to mix it. He has all he has all the skills to be able to be a really really good forward. The worrying thing from Kenny's point of view is earlier in the year Walter Welsh and Park Welsh were really leading the line from mm-hmm. ten and Park eleven. Was taken off on Saturday. They've struggled. They, yeah, they've struggled the weekend. Um, and ultimately when the pressure comes on in games and you need to lump the ball down to your half hour and to win ball in Wally and Porrick who will be our main men they aren't doing that and what that will force to do on the weekend maybe again Wexford if they're not doing it TJ will maybe have to come out or Cody will have to come out and we need those guys inside so that will be a concern from a Kenny point of view midfield seems to have settled themselves down Adrian Mullen is, is, is a big um, is a big fillet there he got five points again the weekend Alan Murphy was good as well so they're I won't say they're not they're unknown, but there's still a few questions that have to be answered. Um, you would look; it wasn't much of a test the weekend. They got a test against Galway. They hadn't all the answers, but they are starting to move the pieces around and reconfiguring things. Conor Delaney was good the weekend, but they will be hopeful to get Hugh Lawler back maybe to the tail end of this round robin. Uh, broken hand, is it, Jackie? Broken hand, yeah. So look, hopefully, you know, a broken hand is a broken hand, but. Um, hopefully if he could get back for a Leinster final or maybe later on but Conor Delaney had a good had a good game there the weekend so I would say they're starting to move the pieces in place um, but the Walter Walsh Park Walsh they will be hoping for big performances the weekend he's not messing around Jackie is he Brian Cody he took off TJ Reid at halftime against Galway and he's taken off Walter Walsh at halftime here he's um well, he was always decisive and ruthless would be a word people would use him. But it also shows he must have some faith in the squad players as well because he wouldn't be doing that if he thought he had nobody to come on and play in place of Walter Walsh. And, Bill, and Billy Ryan did really well, I thought, when he came on. Yeah, and I suppose the, t- the team that, he's, that, he, that he released and the team that started, the guys that came in did really well. King Kenny got four or five points. Um, obviously, Mossy Keown got 2-1. Um, and, and Alan Murphy contributed on the scoreboard as well. So there are some options both on the bench and that although he's not hasn't settled on his 15, anyone that seems to be coming in is doing the business and there is competition for places there. I would worry that there is a reliance on TJ and Owen Cody from a scoring point of view. Um, although Owen Cody didn't score the weekend, TJ, TJ kind of picked up the mantle from them, but they are crucial to get Kenny on the scoreboard in particular. Yeah. Um, okay, lads, we might leave it there. Um, Colm, uh, I know we discussed football already, but just a brief mention, poor Meath Hurlers, the Joe McDonough Cup is not being a happy hunting ground for them. They're um, pointless. Uh, I just mentioned that, I don't know, as an aside, but just to mention that Antrim are into the final and awfully barring uh, defeat against Carlo or into the final, and there was just some astonishing results there at the weekend. Um, like Antrim scored 7-29 against Meath, and the Offaly Kerry game was an absolute stonker. It was uh, 423 to 228 win for Offaly below in Tralee. So the Joe That'd McDonough be, uh, Cup. That, that would have been a difficult game to cover and have a report ready for the final whistle. I think yeah. uh, I wouldn't have envied any of the any no. of the lads covering that game. It was a real a real score fest end to end. Uh, just looking at the highlights and yeah. reading some of the reports, it looked to have been a fantastic match. Yeah, uh, if it is Antrim, Antrim and Offaly, that's a renewal of the the relegation playoff. So 
yeah. they've, they're building up quite a rivalry and they look like just just about the, the, the best teams in it, particularly Antrim. Yeah, and uh, whichever one of them get Dublin or Wexford, I'm not joking. <laughs> That's these are chances. Um, all right, uh, thank you to Colm and to Rory and to Jackie and to Colm O'Rourke earlier. And um, we'll be back with you Thursday to look ahead to the final round of the round robins. Thanks very much. Good luck. by winning the last two matches on the road and that's not going to be taken away from us. But what I love in Hurling, I love players that will never give in. He hits it! He hits it! Wow.